Welcome to the State of the NLS podcast. This is the Freeway Entrance. I'm Dusty Baker. Derek Johnson is back once again and merging along with me here. Derek, we're going to go right into the fielder's choice. And in light of the Fernando Tatis Jr. news, and of course, here in the State of the NLS podcast, we're going to be talking a lot about that in just a little bit. But I want you to name a time when you were so excited about something in sports just to be let down because right now that's exactly what's happening to Padres fans. They were all excited about having the Tati Soto and Machado lineup. And uh, now they don't have them for 80 games. They don't have them for this year or next year. Once they said, uh, again, we're going to talk about this more in a second, but give me a time when you were so let down after being so excited. And then I'll tell you mine. Well, there's obviously a lot, but if I just want to make a comparison that I think fits like this billing to pretty much a T, which funny enough, it happened like, pretty much 10 years ago to this day, was Melky Cabrera. He was hitting like 350 for the Giants. He was just coming off of the All-Star Game appearance in which he might have even won All-Star Game MVP, if I'm correct on that. Like he had a fantastic season. I think you are, yeah. They had just traded for him from the uh, Kansas City Royals for Jonathan Hernandez, and uh, or or not Jonathan Hernandez, but um, he was having a, a phenomenal season, and he got popped for... Similar stuff, obviously different reasoning why he gave and, and stuff after that. And he, he was just done for the year. And it was like, how are the Giants going to overcome this? He's one of the best hitters right now in the National League. Uh, this leaves this huge hole in the lineup. And that was a huge letdown. But that team ended up winning it all. So who knows? I guess uh, the Padres have that going for him. Yeah, that, so that was it looks like that was back in 2012. Uh, he was an all-star that year. Um, and he was 27 years old. He had, oh my gosh, his slash line's insane, man. Oh my goodness. 346, 390, 516. For Melky Cabrera, that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, in 501 plate appearances, he only had 11 home runs, but he had 25 doubles. Uh, he stole 13 bases. Like, that is incredibly productive. His OPS was 906. So, yeah, that is uh, definitely disappointing. That was career highs across the board. And, uh, yeah, him getting slapped like that, that's pretty rough. For me, I'm going to go a non-baseball one here. This is just one where I'm still petty about it to this day. Derek's heard about this probably more than he ever wants to. Um, but uh, it's back when TCU was left out of the playoff. Um, back in 2014, uh, TCU had one loss, and that was on the road at Baylor. Uh, they lost 61-58. to And then they just terrorized every team after that. They looked like the best team in the country outside of maybe Ohio State. And, of course, Florida State looked terrible, and they went undefeated, so they got the automatic bid basically in the playoffs. So it was Ohio State getting in just based off the fact that they didn't have the head-to-head that TCU and Baylor had that eliminated them both. It's ridiculous. Um, And I'm still mad about it. And then Trayvon Boykin punched a cop later. So you just sat there, you know, with two weeks of being excited about making the playoff next thing, you know, you're out of the playoff and your quarterback's arrested. So that was, that was just brutal across the board. Uh, I will never forget that. That was probably one of the most disappointing moments going from a super high, high when TCU won like 55 to three against Iowa state to then just dropping from spot three to six. I just wanted to cry my eyes out. That was horrible. And I was a student there. So that, yeah, I'm, I I can't get over that. Anyways, back to baseball and specifically back to our NLS. We'll start with the Dodgers. The Dodgers will have Dustin May returning on Saturday. Uh, Other news outside of that, because that's the big news. Danny Duffy is unlikely to pitch throughout the rest of the season. 
of course, he hasn't pitched for the Dodgers at all since they acquired him last year. Uh, Walker Bueller is undergoing elbow surgery. He's out for all of the season. That is a big blow to the rotation. One other weird one here. Kevin Pillar was ruled to be out for the season. That's what most people anticipated. He's actually cleared for baseball activities. Anything that sticks out to you about any of these four headlines? Um, because there's a lot of highs and lows in this. I think they can out hit their problems, so it might not be an issue. But how much do you trust the the rotation in the postseason? Because as as great of stories as Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin have been, if they're going toe to toe with I don't know, like Aaron Nola or you Darvish or, or some of these other playoff pitchers, I like the other pitcher. But again, I, I think the hitting can just overpower everything. Yeah, I, I think that that's a very fair statement. I would not be shocked. If Dustin May happens to be the Dodgers' like number two starter going into the postseason, where they have Julio Arias, Dustin May, uh, then I guess in that sequence, if they go lefty righty, they'd probably go lefty with Anderson, righty with Gonsolin. Uh, this is assuming that Kershaw's hurt, so we we don't, you know, I'm not going to take any chances and assume that Kershaw's going to stay healthy. So, uh, but yeah, you make a very valid point there. It's something that I think Dodgers fans are just slightly concerned about, but. Their offense is so good that that who knows what can really happen. Uh, On to the San Diego Padres. Derek, just a small bit of news that I had just briefly touched on there, that Fernando Tatis Jr., some random player, uh, he tested positive for PEDs, 80 games is what his suspension is for. So he is suspended throughout the rest of this 2022 season, and then he's suspended for another 42 games leaking into the 2023 season. When you heard this news, what was that reaction? It was surprise. It was honestly a little bit of like app or, or empathy for, uh, I think, Padres fans. And man, just like he can't get out of his own way. It's crazy at this point. I, I wonder, how about this? If we could go back and this suspension happened before the trade deadline, do you think which team says no here? If the Padres just straight up Fernando Tatis for Juan Soto because the Nationals would be sitting there going Tatis has even though all this stuff is happening he has 14 more years of control it's a lot of money but it's not as much as we were going to be you know paying Soto and all this stuff um and the Padres would be saying well we get to keep all those prospects we were going to give up instead and we get Juan Soto do you think that would have actually worked if they traded Tatis for Soto I, I mean I like it's a possibility I think that the San Diego fan base is so off kilter with just kind of where they're at right now. They haven't been relevant for years. Their first truly relevant national player is Fernando Tatis Jr., right? But now what does the fan base think of him? I mean, really, like, are they still going to be fanatics over him when he comes back 42 games later next year? Like, maybe, but you're right. I mean, there is legitimately a thought in the back of the head where it's like, you know, the Nationals could have benefited, the Padres could have benefited, and – I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty here, obviously. But uh, that's something that probably would have definitely changed the game for them at this deadline. I, I just was shocked. I, I'm honestly, yeah, I still can't believe it. I drafted him in almost every fantasy uh, single season redraft league, um, thinking that he was a steal in the ninth round. And joke's on me. Put the clown face on me. Like, I mean, honestly, like no production out of the ninth pick is basically what I got him in every single draft. Um, Derek and I are in that uh, keeper league or actually we're, we're in the keeper league and uh, the team that's keeping him has to now use a spot. 
um, to just basically keep him in his suspension spot. But it, it's just horrible. Um, it's bad for the game of baseball. He's been a face for the franchise, obviously, at this young age. And the worst part is, Derek, he, he probably has ruined his chances at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, at this point, the way that those guys have been treated, uh, it, it probably just doesn't really matter at this point what he does, right? I, I mean, Barry Bonds maximized everything you could do, and he, I guess, technically wasn't ever caught, even though it kind of felt like a, a wink and a nod type of thing, and he didn't get in. So, yeah, I, I guess that's a good point. Unless something changes with the voters and the voting, then, yeah, good luck getting in. It's, uh, it's not a great situation for San Diego, but for your San Francisco Giants – uh, your Giants are actually playing pretty decent baseball right now, uh, looking like a team that may have a chance to go to the playoffs still. It didn't seem like that even two weeks ago. Uh, but your Giants outrided Dixon Machado. Uh, and outside of that, Luis Gonzalez has been sent to AAA. They also called up Zach Littell. Any thoughts on what's happened with them so far? No, Gonzalez has just struggled a lot as a base runner and a defender. So once the hitting started to drop like it did, just made a lot of sense. They're, they're starting to get a little healthier, which is good. Uh, I think making a, a little bit of a run here just to make things, I guess, a little bit more interesting, but still not in a great spot. The Arizona Diamondbacks. We talked about Stone Garrett on the Booze and mm. Baseball show. Uh, they selected him, so he's being called up. Uh, Seth Beer is being optioned. And probably the worst thing that could ever happen to our podcast is Paul Fry has been DFA'd. And uh, I just want to take a quick moment of silence for all the French fries out there that are now being neglected because this podcast, we ran strictly on Fry. So here's a moment of silence for Paul Fry. Thank you for your time. Yeah, you can't. Uh, I mean, that's a no-no. That's a faux pas. You never turn down Fry. It's unbelievable. I, I'm honestly, the Diamondbacks were kind of trending in the right direction. They turned down us. Fry and Beer. Like, think yeah. about that. Come on. At least wow, the dude that, they called up. That's a cool name, Stone. They have a lot of really unique names. Honestly, at this point, I think all we talk about with the Diamondbacks is, oh, this guy's a cool name. This guy's a great name. Like, there's not a whole heck of a lot on the field that we talk about anymore mm-hmm. with them. And uh, But, hey, the Diamondbacks may have the coolest names, except for they got rid of Fry, which – uh, they should die for letting go of Fry. Um, and then finally, the Colorado Rockies, who just deserve to be pummeled in any sense of the word uh, for what they did at the deadline, the way they've handled this franchise. They made one move I think everybody can actually respect. They called up Winton Bernard, a 31-year-old prospect who has been grinding in the minor leagues his entire career, and he's finally up at the MLB. He's got probably one of the coolest stories Um coming up to the major leagues. Uh, how cool was that to see him get his call up? It was so much fun. You see the video, him calling his mom, and then you see him at the game, like his parents. And and he had like an impactful game. Uh, he comes around, he scores a run after getting like his first career MLB hit and everything. It, it's so much fun. And that is the one thing that's, that's really cool about this time of year. Even for the teams that aren't in it, you get those type of stories. Yeah, I, I thought that that was a pretty special moment. So props to the Rockies. Uh, we don't say too many kind things about them. This is one thing that they deserve to get the, the tip of the hat for, because that was awesome. Uh, the other news is 10 days ago uh, from the time of recording, Denelson Lamette was claimed by the Rockies. Is this going to have any impact whatsoever for this team? Um, I, I, I think it's a good buy low. Like worst case, it doesn't work out. And who really cares? It's not like he's making a bunch of money or anything like that. I think this is smart for the Rockies. We'll see if it works because this is a guy who's had a lot of injuries and he's pitching in course field, which those two things don't always line up. But again, it's, it's you know, worst case, it doesn't work. Who cares? 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a total buy low and uh, yeah, they could always use extra pitchers because they can't seem to breed any of them. So it uh, would be a kind of a cool story if Lamette decided to uh, make a return the way that he, we know, we know he's capable of doing, but uh, would love to see him actually turn it around. Okay. We are going to move to the sunrise before sunset here on the West coast. And we're going to quickly go over the MLB top prospects that were officially revealed uh, this week. They have new rankings. And so Derek, I just want to quickly skim over these and get your insight probably one prospect per team so we're going to start out just going over the list for our nl west players so third overall is corbin carroll that's an arizona diamondback prospect with a high high ceiling ninth is diego cartaya catcher for the dodgers 12th drew jones just drafted for the arizona diamondbacks 13th jordan lawler of course the draft pick a year ago. Then you have 17th, Marco Luciano. He is for the San Francisco Giants, was in that top 10 realm. He falls down a little bit. 22nd, the pitcher Kyle Harrison, also the San Francisco Giants. He rounds out the only two they have in the top 100. Zach Veen is the first Colorado Rocky to hit the board here at 24th. He's an outfielder. He's got a tons of speed. 27th, Bobby Miller, pitcher for the LA Dodgers. Looks like he's got some pretty good stuff. 28th is Ezekiel Tovar, shortstop for the Colorado Colorado Rockies 44th Miguel Vargas made some time here already in the MLB with the Dodgers 45th another Dodger Michael Bush trying to push his way into the MLB 64th Adiel Amador he is for the Colorado Rockies as well a pitcher and then 66th we have Drew Romo for the Rockies so quite a few Rockies kind of paired there 69th the very nice number right there for Andy Pajes or Pages however you want to pronounce that for the Dodgers 77th Ryan Pepio who currently finds himself in the Dodgers rotation trying to fill at least a need at this time 81st Gavin Stone has been pitching pretty dang well in the minors gets moved into the top 100 for the Dodgers and then we finally get to a San Diego Padres prospect Jackson Merrill at 88 95th is Brandon fat I had to look this one up it's spelled P F A A D T that is a hard name to grow up with right there because realistically fat is the first thing that came to my mind but it's fat fat you have to say it like fat and you have to say it fast uh, I had to throw that one out there it's the Diamondbacks with the names I swear and then 98th Luis Campisano for the San Diego Padres Derek out of that list what kind of stands out to you for the L.A. Dodgers group? So for the Dodgers, it's just the depth of pure prospects. Like it, it just shows that once we get to the offseason, they could set up for another big trade if they really wanted to. You want to go out and, and add a Pablo Lopez or something? Go out and yeah, no doubt. What about for the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have three of the top four prospects in this group? Yeah, it's just those top guys. I, I'm in love with Corbin Carroll. He's going to be a fantasy all-star. In terms of best player for actual MLB, though, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jordan Muller with the way that he can impact things uh, as terms of being an infielder and stuff, if, if he can uh, really hit like he has been at the beginning of his season. Uh, the Your team, the San Francisco Giants, uh, you saw Luciano kind of fall. You see Kyle Harrison right where he probably deserves to be. Thoughts on those two and the fact that the Giants only have two in the top 100. Yeah, it's been a really bad year for the basically outside of those two guys. Like Luis Matos, the top 100 guy, he's hitting under 200 so far this season. Still has a lot of tools, uh, but a lot of their prospects and first-round picks under Ramza 80 have just completely flamed out like, Hunter Bishop and Patrick Bailey aren't doing much. So it has not been a good year for Farhan at all. But that said, those two guys, I think, could be stars. 
The uh, Colorado Rockies, they have actually some prospect depth here, but uh, there's four in the top 100 for them, and they're all kind of spaced pretty close together, 24th, 28th, 64th, and 66th. Any name that pops out to you there? I love Ezekiel Tovar. He's one of those guys who I think as he progresses, we're going to see him eventually rise into being a top 10 prospect. Yeah, I see the same. I think Tovar is going to be a special name. Uh, Derek and I kind of talked about this with the prospect list, that once you kind of get outside of the top 10, it's really fair game, but they've done a lot better job recently analyzing these prospects and uh, pretty accurate who the top 100 is. And I think Tovar is going to be one of the better ones of that group. So uh, intrigued by him. All right. The San Diego Padres, they make all these moves and then they lose Tatis and now they only have two prospects. And unlike your Giants, who at least those two prospects are in the top 22, the Padres are in the bottom 88. So where are we at with them right now? Well, I think Jackson Merrill has the chance to keep rising. He's he's kind of having a season similar to what C.J. Abrams did when he was at, at the lower levels. And I'm not saying he's going to be C.J. Abrams, but he's hitting in that like high 350 uh, range where he could continue to rise up if he hits like that. I don't know that there's much power there, but it's interesting just because the Padres have kind of been that team where it's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to find cheap prospects on the dollar or we're going to draft well or we're going to – you know, get international guys, and then we're going to find a way to boost up their value, and then we're going to trade them away. And, and it's been kind of interesting, and I doubt anyone really cares that, hey, the farm system's depleted now because you have Juan Soto. This is also true. Uh, Padres fans have a lot to look forward to there with Juan Soto. Okay, well, we are going to quickly move along the coast here. We're not going to cruise the coast like we normally do. We're actually going to gas it, and we're going to go speed along the coast. Uh, Let's hope we don't get caught by the cops here. Uh, We're going to start with the L.A. Dodgers. They are in first place by a mile. They have an 80-35 and record heading into the day of recording. Derek, I mean, is there much more we could say other than this team looks like a World Series caliber team right now? No, I just my favorite stat right now. They could go two and forty-five the rest of the season and still finish above five hundred. Yeah, pretty insane. They are at a pace right now to win over a hundred and eight games, which is just nuts too. Um, so I, I mean, they're going to break a franchise record. It looks like this season. Uh, this team is on to do great things and uh, should be exciting to watch in the playoffs. A team that may not make the playoffs. Hard to say and hard to believe this. The San Diego Padres, Derek, have not looked good since they acquired Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Josh Hader, Brandon Drury. They are 65 and 54 the day of recording, four and six in their last 10. They have a one game lead in the wild card over the Milwaukee Brewers. But what's also wild, and we're just going to combine these two here your San Francisco Giants are only four and a half back of the Padres now in that wild card race as well. The Giants, they are eight and two in their last 10 games. So, Combining these two, Derek, what what are our thoughts on this kind of Padres-Giants rush to the end? Yeah, I mean, both teams have a Dodgers problem. Giants are 0-8 in the second half against them. Padres just can't seem to beat the Dodgers consistently at all. I'll say for the Giants, Joey Bart is really turning it around since being called back up 143 WRC+. K-rate's still high, but it's about 10 percentage points lower than it is on the season. Soto's been awesome in San Diego, but all those other guys they traded for, Bell's got a 409 OPS, Drury's got a 731, which is down over 120 points, Hayter's got a 461 ERA. All those other guys they traded for since coming to the team, they've kind of struggled. So uh, this is kind of reminiscent right now of last year when they really fell apart to the finish line, and that cannot be a good thing because if that gets in the back of their minds, it's just double trouble there. 
I think that uh, the Giants are a scary team right now. I'm not going to lie. The pitching, I think, is better there. I really do. I, I like the Rodon. Uh, Webb looks great over his last couple starts as well. Alex Cobb can go out and give you quite a bit of innings and get strikeouts, swings, and misses. I, I don't know. Alex Wood has looked sharper lately. So I'm curious to see what happens, but I think this is going to be a crazy stretch. I also love Tyro Estrada. The way that he has been able to come back from injury – he's been kind of a cornerstone lately for this team. He had a walk-off home run. Uh, he's had a hit in all but one game uh, following his return from the IL. So curious to see what happens with the Giants. But uh, I think that the Padres might have some reason to be concerned there. Uh, teams, though, that they don't need to be concerned about, that would be the Arizona Diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies, who both have just not been great. Now, the Diamondbacks actually have the best of the worst NL team records. So after the Giants are four and a half games back, there's a massive gap. And then the Diamondbacks are six games back at the Giants. Don't expect them to catch up there, but at least promising maybe for the Diamondbacks with their cool names. Yeah. I mean, they've got some guys who are hot though, too. Like, uh, you know, Christian Walker is really starting to heat up after it felt like all the analytics and, and advanced numbers were saying that. And how about Emmanuel Rivera? They traded for him from the Kansas City Royals, gave up Luke Weaver since acquiring him. He's got a 324 average, 410 on base, over an 1100 OPS right now, or, or over an 1100. Uh, almost 1200 OPS with Arizona. He hits the ball really hard for third baseman. He's definitely intriguing. They've got intriguing players. I love Merrill Kelly. He reminds me a lot of Ryan Fogelsong. So uh, they have a lot of intriguing players. I, I don't mind the Diamondbacks. I, I think that the the Walker one is the most mm -hmm. intriguing for me. He's like Adam Dunn 2.0 and his hard hit rate is just crazy. Uh, looks like he's going to probably hit around 40 home runs this year. So excited about him. Colorado Rockies, though, just they're not a fun team to watch. They're 30 and a half games back in first place. They're in last place, 51 and 67. Uh, they're not going to nab themselves the best draft pick as well, although the lottery system may change that. So you never know. But uh, what, what do we even make of what the Rockies have been doing? Well, okay, this is the perfect example of the Rockies to me. Things that just don't make sense, right? That's the Rockies. They just don't make sense, and, and what they do doesn't make sense. Here's something that doesn't make sense on the Rockies, the microcosm. Jose Iglesias has a 685 OPS in Coors Field. He has an 832 OPS on the road. Yeah, it doesn't make any – and he's hitting like three, over 300 right now. I mean, he's been actually really in good. the second half. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. So – I don't know. The Rockies don't make sense to me. I don't think they ever will. Um, it's uh, Brendan Rodgers has looked good, but outside of that, I, I don't think that there's much to really cover other than Rockies fans. I'm not even going to tell you to look forward to next year. Look forward to maybe 2040 when you hopefully get new ownership. It's, it's so bad. Um, with that though, Derek, we have arrived at our freeway exit. Any final thoughts as we head into the next weekend of NOS play? No, not quite. Uh, Dodgers just going to keep steamrolling everyone. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll see. Maybe the Giants and Padres, it becomes a, a bit of a close race and that'd make it interesting, but I'm still skeptical on that. I have a bold prediction that by the time we do this podcast next week, that games behind for the Giants will be cut in half. I believe it's going to be 2.5 or 2 uh, by the time we show up here next week. So we will see what happens, but that will do it for us here on the State of the NOS podcast. For more content from Derek and myself, listen to the Booze and Baseball podcast. On behalf of Just Baseball, he is Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Join us again next week as we break down the happenings here on The Best Coast.